This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. And let me bring you to Philippians chapter 4. I hope that you will view the book in a new light and uh, you will continue to read it and study it and you will see even much more than I have been able to deliver to you over the last couple of days. So let me pick up from chapter 4 verse 2 and I'm going to read to the end of the the book because as I said uh, on two occasions this weekend, I, I love publicly reading the Word of God, and I'm not apologizing for big readings. Amen? So turn to your neighbor and tell him, we need big readings. Glory to God. Amen. Large readings. It's a a man's portion, glory to God, of the Word of Truth. So here we go. I'm really thrilled you're here because after the message this morning, I wondered how many of you would actually like to escape. But praise the Lord, <laughs> you are here. Glory. I plead with you, dear, and plead with Sintich to agree with each other in the Lord. Yes. And I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women who have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Isn't that a great statement? (laughs) Glory. Whose names are in the book of life. Wonderful. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I tell you what, let's pause there and we can read the rest of the chapter a little bit later on. So this morning we came face to face with the challenge from Philippians 4, well, where Paul the Apostle pleaded with the church to be loyal yoke fellows, to be yoked together with Christ and to be yoked together in the work of God because we are called to be faithful in the kingdom, amen? He pleads with them not to allow differences to separate them. He wants them to continue to contend together for the purpose of God at each other's side as fellow workers. And this series is about partnering. Remember we talked about partnership with Christ partnership together. We partner with Christ together. And and that is a great blessing. 
He has taught us in the book, uh, in the letter that we, how we react in church life and in situations in life will determine much about how we serve. And he has given us some rules for living. I briefly commented on them at the latter part of the message this morning. Let me remind you just of two of them, where it says, rejoice in the Lord, and he says it twice to drive it home, amen. Rejoice in the Lord, and again I say rejoice, amen. I believe that we should be people of joy, hallelujah. We recognize joy from the Lord is not based on happiness about how life is going. The joy of the Lord will be maintained no matter what we face and what we walk through. Then he said, let your gentleness be seen because the Lord is coming. Let it be viewed by all. We recognize gentleness isn't weakness. It's the strength of the nature and the character of God. So now we come to move on with this message. And the first thing I want to point out to you, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Friend, I just want to say this to you. This is not the Apostle Paul saying, how about having a carefree life? No, not at all. Don't be anxious. Just be carefree and go with the flow. No, that's not what he is saying because we must be concerned about the things of God and we must be concerned about the things of the kingdom and one another. So Paul is actually addressing something very specific with these readers. He's actually addressing worry. He's addressing worry, and there's no doubt about it that in this generation in which we're living, worry and fear and anxiety, which are in the same family as depression and lowness of spirit, this is on the increase. There are more and more people only surviving in life because they're on tablets. You see, they should be on tablets, <laughs> but only one tablet. <laughs> but they're on tablets just to survive. And the Word of God says that we should not be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So worry is the subject here, one of the subjects. And Jesus spoke into that, didn't he, friends, in Matthew chapter 6 and verses 25 to 33. And I want to ask you to go there to this wonderful passage, this teaching of Jesus in Matthew's gospel, chapter 6, verses 25 to 33. And whilst you're finding that, I'll remind you that, you know, in a way, friends, I, I've got got a right to preach on this, not only because it's in the Word of God, but because as a young man from uh, the age of 17, I was a seriously, seriously depressed person. I suffered from depression, and you've heard me say in my testimony, I would wake up on the morning, I would throw my beds over, legs over the side of the bed, and I would speak myself into depression. I would think myself into depression. Now I'm where I am with Jesus, I recognize 
realize that that was actually an, at an attack of the devil, a demonic power that was seeking to rob me of the joy of the Lord and rob me of all that could be fulfilled in my life and my future as a man of God. And I thank God that one day God revealed this to me, that fear does not have any right to remain in my spirit. It has no right to remain in my mind. And I thank God that one day I got along with him and the power of the Holy Ghost came upon me. And I want to tell you, when I accepted the word of God, I was totally delivered and totally set free. And I want to tell you, friend, I have not experienced one day, not even one moment of the lowness of spirit and depression because the spirit of heaviness had gone from me and I arose and I put on the garments of praise and I've been praising and celebrating Jesus ever since because he's called us to a life of victory, not to a life of defeat, but to a life of victory. And I thank God that it is for freedom that Christ has set me free. And I'm proud to stand on this platform and say to you that every word that Jesus has spoken in this passage of Scripture is absolutely yes and amen. And then it's for you. And as you sit on your seat tonight, no matter what you are facing and walking through, I come in the authority of Jesus, whether there is fear, whether there is doubt, whether there is unbelief, whether there is anxiety and trouble and perplexity, because that's the spirit of the world. That's the spirit of the age that we're living in. We're living in the age of terror, which is the fear uh, and the apprehension about what could be. But thanks be to God, the word of the Lord comes alive to us tonight and we receive the word of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thanks be to God. Are there any Pentecostals out there? Because you don't look as if you're rejoicing with me. Amen. So here we go. Come on. Are we there? Hallelujah. Glory. Verse 25, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What an opening statement, Pastor Dave. Do not worry about your life. Amen. So many people just troubled, worrying about their life. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body. That's a big statement nowadays, isn't it, really? Do not worry about your body. Amen. Some Christians are so perplexed in their spirit, they are thinking more about getting sick than walking in health. My Lord Jesus, what has happened to the message of faith? Because, friend, we have a right in God to say that no sickness or disease will come near to me or to my house. Do you still believe that? Because I believe it with all my heart in the name of Jesus. You say, Pastor, that's not what I'm experiencing right now. Well, praise God, we can see a miracle come to pass. And as we stand upon the truth, of the word we're not moving to the left or the right our expectation is not the fear it's not fear of sickness it's an it's an expectancy of health in the name of Jesus praise God somebody I went to greet them earlier this evening he said pastor Paul you look younger every time you come here glory to God I'm believing one day I'm coming in with a full head of hair <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> what a shock you would get and you can't see any tapes underneath <laughs> glory to God 
<laughs> yes, I once said to Miriam, you know, I think I might buy a toupee because I'd look better with a head of hair. She said, do do that, I'm divorcing you. <laughs> <laughs> Glory to God. Listen, it's always a bit different on a Saturday, don't worry. On the Sunday morning, we're a bit stiff. <laughs> on Sunday night, we're anything can happen. <laughs> Glory to God. I love Sunday night meetings because those that come out on a Sunday really want to be here. <laughs> All a religious lot. <laughs> come on a Sunday morning. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Oh, you see, actually... <laughs> Jesus, say, what have you got to laugh about? <laughs> I've got everything to laugh about. <laughs> oh, dear me. I, did, I laughed so much this afternoon, I nearly paid for the meal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, glory. I love church when it's like this. I hate religion, you know. <laughs> I, really, I really do. Some of my people say, some of my folks say, Pastor, you're the most unreligious pastor we've ever met. I say, thank God for that. <laughs> Glory to God. Isn't grace marvellous? Isn't grace marvellous? Because when you think about what the apostles saying to, to these people, you see, they could have been absolutely bound up with fear. They could have been tormented. But God's actually saying to them, listen, don't be anxious about anything. He's reminding them of these amazing words from the book of Matthew. Don't worry about your body, what you will wear. Hallelujah. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. How much more are you valuable to him? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Hallelujah. Mr. Soundman. Do you worry about clothes? Interesting that's in there twice, isn't it? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What a text coming up here, friend. This has surely got to be the foundation for every one of us as we seek to serve God. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I wish he hadn't put that bit. <laughs> Wouldn't it be better without that? <laughs> but I can't take it out. It's there. <laughs> but isn't it fascinating? You know, sometimes Miriam and I have to say, how did we arrive where we are? You know, we started with nothing. How have we arrived here? And we just say, Lord, you've been so wonderful, so blessed. 
And it's amazing how God enables you to walk through years of ministry where finances have been so small at times, and yet we're where we are. How does God do that? It's a miracle. He expands what isn't there. <laughs> Out of nothing. Yes, that's how God can work. How God can work. So do not be worried or worry and bound up with fear. Do not be anxious about everything. Now come back with me to Philippians and, and let's hold that passage of Scripture open because you see Paul is actually saying in here, if you read the text, he's saying the release from worry really comes not only through applying the Word of God but through prayer and entrusting whatever it is you're worrying about to God. It's about passing it over, isn't it? You see, worry is failure to trust in God. It's failure to trust him as a father. And the Bible calls that sin, doesn't it? We don't like to hear it like that because it highlights our unbelief, but it's true. And then Paul teaches us that real peace comes through faith-believing prayer and gives us a terrific pattern of prayer here in this passage of Scripture. It's effective, it's releasing, and I'm going to share some of those thoughts with you. And let me just say, because I believe in absolute transparency, I'm going to point out one or two things that I never wrote. And while you digest that and think about it, I'll blow my nose. Sometimes we glean truth from other mighty men and women of God. And I always like to say, I never wrote this bit, but it's wonderful and it blessed me. And I'm just going to repeat one or two points here uh, before the second point in the major, major second point in the sermon and just drop it into your heart. So firstly, we can take everything to God in prayer. Amen. It's coming up there. Can you say that with me? Come on, are you ready? We can take everything to God in prayer. There's nothing too great for God's power and nothing too small for his fatherly care. And then secondly, we can pray for others. There should be a selflessness in our praying. We can pray for ourselves, yes, we can pray for God's forgiveness, and we dealt with some of the things in the past this morning, and we can know his complete release and restoration in a moment of repentance, and so we can commit the future into his hands. And then we should pray with thanksgiving, amen? I wonder if you're you know, realize how important it is when you come before God to come with thanksgiving, to come with praise, rather than just coming immediately with requests, but to come and express adoration and worship and praise before you ask anything. And thank God. When we give thanks to him, we are to give thanks in all circumstances and in every situation. And then we should pray. When we pray, we should remember. I love this. The love of God, he wants the best for you. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, God wants the best for you. And then when we pray the wisdom of God, he knows what is best for you. Amen. And then when we pray, we pray in the power of God. Only he can bring about what is best for you. Hallelujah. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, yes, the best is yet to come. 
Amen. So this knowledge, Paul entrusts to the people because he's looking for them to experience victory over anxiety, over worry, and to bring the peace of God. Amen. Peace is a beautiful thing, isn't it? I wonder if you're at peace in your spirit because that's where it starts. Peace in your spirit, peace in your heart, peace in your mind. There may not be peace in your circumstances, but if there is peace in your spirit, your heart, and your mind, then you will, un- you will cope with what you are facing. So here's the great point number two. The peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Peace stands as a lookout, as a sentinel of your heart and your mind. Peace is like a rudder that will guide you as you move forward in faith. Amen? Some of us still go crashing on, even though we're thinking, I'm not at peace and I'm not at rest about this. I'm unsure about that. I'm uncertain, but hey, come on, let's keep going. And sometimes God is saying, you're not at peace because what you're about to do or move into is not of me. And so peace is like a guard of our hearts, but all Also, it's a a means by which God steers us as we move forward. And I love the vocabulary in this passage we read. The peace transcends all understanding, doesn't it? But it's not a mystery to us totally. There is a mystery element to it, but it's not totally a mystery to us because it is of God. God brings his peace. Amen. I love that. It's not just that he makes you feel at peace, he brings his peace. And that's a higher level, hallelujah. The peace of God transcends all understanding, not just because you're happy, the peace of God. It's through him. He is the one who brings his peace. And man with all his wisdom, or so-called wisdom, and man with all his skill, And arrogance and knowledge can never produce the peace that God is referring to in his word. Truly, it is God-given and released in our hearts and minds through believing prayer and childlike trust. And then if you study this and recognize what it's saying, friends, you'll realize that he tells us what we focus our minds upon And what we do in our life will determine whether we're at peace. And so this is vital that we set our minds upon the things of God. Fix your eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. You know, the human mind will set itself on something. You're always thinking. You never stop thinking. And even in the night... You're dreaming, and how wonderful it is to be able to dream pure dreams. Hallelujah. Sanctified thought patterns, sanctified imaginations set apart unto God, a purity. And of course, we've got to recognize that even the first epistle of John says that, doesn't it? In chapter 3, verse 3, anyone who has this hope purifies himself even as he is pure. 
And so we must learn to set our minds upon the things of God. I think there's an attack of the enemy going on in the church to distract the body of Jesus from thinking how she should think. I think that our focus is is moving in directions that are more to do with the world and less to do with God. I think that we focus our time and our energy now on things that are not fully for us. And, you know, some people spend absolutely hours watching TV. Some people are just so bound up with worldly stuff. And you say, Pastor, that sounds old-fashioned. No, friend, if you are going to know the peace of God that passes all understanding, and if we are going to be effective, we must set our minds on things above. Hallelujah. See, that comes to what I was saying this morning, that Paul was actually saying, I'm longing for the body to get the perspective of heaven. So we see things from heaven's view rather than looking from earthly eyes. Amen? And so how wonderful it is to be able to do that. You say, Paul, where is that? Well, it's there in verse 8, isn't it? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Amen. Dwell, focus on those beautiful things. And these are the things of God that he is referring to. And then I want to read the latter part of the chapter now. Is that okay? Verse 10 says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you've been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. We love to quote that verse a little bit out of context, don't we? We love to just say it. I love to, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We never read the bit before it, do we? We never quote the bit before it where Paul is saying, I've learned to be content when I've got nothing. And I've learned to be content when I've been blessed and I've got plenty. But that's where it fits. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me me. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except only you. Can I share my heart with you? I did 10 years in itinerant ministry before one person connected with me financially and my wife just carried on miraculously and we served together sometimes people look at where you are now and they can't have the image of you missioning and sleeping on church halls right on the floor they've got no Awareness of the fact that when you first started as a young man, oh, you weren't staying in hotels. I I remember getting into a bed 
and a dog had just got out. I remember being shown where I was going to sleep after preaching my heart out. And I was uh, pushed into a conservatory and there was a camp bed in the corner. And it was the middle of winter and I was freezing. And I had to get up the next day and be happy on the platform for Jesus. Friends, not everything is as it appears. And sometimes we need to remember the saints of God have been through much. And when you read the life story of Paul, you would almost think, how on earth could you have kept going? Because we read it and we can think it's glamorous. And sometimes people have an impression of what it must be like in the ministry. Wow! Friend, Paul the Apostle was beaten, flogged, shipwrecked, spent. What a life. And some of the big faith preachers might say, well, you know, lack of faith, that was. No, no, sometimes we go through things as we were looking this morning and last night for the sake of the furtherance of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember as a young man, I'm sharing my heart now. I remember as a young man looking out the lounge window and seeing my dad who served the Lord all his life having to ride a push bike up a hill to go to work to be a night porter because nobody had linked with him in giving and receiving. A man who buried babies in the sand in the West Indies in boot boxes served Jesus. And I want to tell you, friend, great is his reward in heaven. And I know, Minim and I have said, and my mother has said to me, of my, my, myself and my brother who's in full-time ministry as well, you know, in some ways because of the inheritance, spiritual inheritance, inheritance I'm riding the blessing of generations invested before me. And so are you. You are sitting in seats in this building because of the investment of many who are probably no longer with us. Great is their reward in heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So don't get a glossy image of being in the ministry. Have a chat with Pastor Dave and he'll tell you as it really is. I'm about to blow my nose. Why do I say that? Because... The next point I want to bring, friend, is called concerned and content. Paul begins to move to a closure of this letter and he's conscious that the believers had him in their hearts. And if you study the book of Acts, you'll find way back, Acts chapter 15, 16, 17, you'll find that these people are recorded in the events because they were, as we've read here, one of the first churches, one of the only churches to stand faithfully alongside Paul. You read that passage of Scripture, you almost think that there's been a gap in their giving. If you study it and look at the vocabulary, you would say, what happened? Did something, did, past, did Paul upset them or something? And the giving stopped and then everything was restored and they started giving to him again and supporting him? Well, you could see that in the pages, but, uh, you know, it, it may well have happened because sometimes when pastors and leaders speak truth in love, the body reacts. 
And sometimes when pastors and leaders are bringing doctrinal correction, the body can't handle it. Like, for example, if the issue I was preaching about and talking about this morning, let's say pastor came to you, or a group of leaders came to you and said, we're aware that you've got an issue with Mrs. Jones over the other side of the church. What are you going to do about it? And they asked you to operate with a spirit of release and forgiveness and grace. And you said, well, she's the problem, not me. You see, we're not really worried about who's the problem. All we want is unity restored in the house of the Lord. All we want is open heaven over the house. All we want is restoration. What we want to see is fellow workers and partners yoked together with one heart, one purpose, partnering for the furtherance of the gospel. And that's the cry of every pastor who is a true shepherd for the body of Jesus. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I've got to love you. I've got no choice. And now you've got to tell them this. You've got to love that preacher, even though you don't like what he's saying. Glory to God. Amen. (laughs) Ah, Yes, you have. You've got no choice, my friend, because I'm likely to be your neighbor in heaven. (laughs) That would be a loud time in eternity, wouldn't it? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. And so there's a beautiful image here. And I'd love to spend more time on, but you know, there's a word from the Greek there we must bring out. Because where he says, he was delighted that they renewed their commitment, they renewed their giving, and they renewed their determination to bless the apostle. And the word that is used there, your giving flourished again. Hallelujah. It flourished again. And if you look at the vocabulary around it, you will find that he's talking about the image of a beautiful flower. A beautiful flower that has been through the winter season that has died. But then as the summer comes and the sun comes out again, then it flourishes and the beautiful petals are seen again. This is like the character and the nature of this beautiful church that Paul is writing to. I come to a very challenging moment right now in this message. Because the link that God gave to me from it is back into Malachi where the Lord challenges the priests and the people saying the fires that are burning are not rising to me as incense, as sweet fragrance. And the offerings and the giving of those priests was corrupt because they were bringing lambs that were lame, not perfect, And if we carry that over into the New Testament generation in which we're living, we have an issue in the body of Jesus. It greatly troubles me when people in a fellowship, and I'm not talking about this fellowship, I'm not talking about any particular fellowship, I'm generalizing now. Where people in places sit under what we would say, Pastor Dave is the finest of the wheat. Week after week after week. And then some big superstar makes an appeal on the TV and they take their seed and they plant it in unhealthy ground because they want to get something because they're giving. Let's operate with great maturity as the body of Jesus and plant your seed in the house of the Lord. 
And if you're not tithing and you're not giving, then I'm laying this challenge before you tonight to honor God. Because the Malachi book continues, doesn't it, and says that if we're not doing what God has called us to do, and if we're spending our seed and we're spending what belongs to him, then my friend, the word says that there is an account kept in heaven and we must not rob God. Hallelujah. I tell you, I hope this message is making you feel really happy, <laughs> but it's the challenge, isn't it, of, of what God has called us to do in bringing our tithes and offerings into the house of the Lord. These people were absolutely amazing because you see, Paul was part of them. And then there came a day when he was away and he was doing a great work for God. And these people continued to give, even though they were not receiving anything from him personally. Their spirit and their heart and their, king, their kingdom attitude was absolutely tremendous. I love to see that. And so this is the type of people that they were. And in fact, Paul says he's not asking for himself. He's not looking for anything for himself. That's why in all the years that you've come, that I've come to be with you, you will have never heard me ask for anything. And I never will. I'll tell you why. Because I do believe that Jesus is my provider. And Paul had learned a great key, the key of contentment, to be content with whatever is a beautiful gift from Jesus. Some may in the congregation may be hankering for years to pass because when years pass, you believe financially you could be in this position or this could happen and that will have happened. Listen, my friend, don't rush your time away. Make your time count for Jesus. You can't get this time back. Commit it to God and be like the Apostle Paul in this letter, content. And he describes that contentment as a secret he has learned. And that is someone who is saying, I've discovered a great key in life. Paul is content in all things. The secret to coping in all circumstances is the strength Christ provides to be content. And it is his providence. Bring it up. It is the providence of God. Trust him. He knows what you need. And he will bring all things through. Amen. Turn to him in your times of trouble. Turn to him and believe he will bring everything to pass according to his will. And trust the power of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Some people say, Pastor Paul, you're always talking about the power of God. The reason for that is because I believe in the power of God. Amen. I believe in the power of God. He is more than able to do what is necessary. And then the promises of God. Three Ps. You can remember these, can't you? Just remember, I'll have a P, please, Bob. <laughs> Amen. It is the providence of God that you are blessed. Amen.
you are blessed. It is the power of God that will move for you. And it is the promise of God. Therefore, he will fulfill it. I think I need to bring things to a close because of time. But let me just speak these things to you. Number four, credit your account in heaven and God will meet your needs. Amen? And then move me right through to the last point. Christ, he says, be with your spirit, manifesting his grace. Let me read the final greetings for you because it's important on time. Verse 20, to God, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Greet all the saints in Christ Jesus, the brothers who are with me, send greetings. All the saints send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Friends, if we are going to operate how we're meant to operate, then we will need the grace of Christ in our spirit. Amen? Oh, yes. To be able to do what we need to do calls for supernatural grace. Never spiritually legitimize anything that you shouldn't be doing. Ask God for grace to deal with it head on, and he will do so. Amen? And then finally, friends, I just want to remind you, let me blow my nose, I'm struggling here, bro. I want to remind you about the series that we've been looking at about partnership. And this is a beautiful expression of partnership with this church and with the apostle. I want to remind you that your partnership is personally with Jesus. Your partnership is then with the body. And your partnership remains even when you send people into another land or into another place. Thinking about dear Claire, all those many miles away, serving the Lord. What a cost. What a cost for her. What a cost for Pastor Dave and Sally. Never forget her. Keep her in your heart. Keep praying for her. It's not easy. It's not easy. And then, church, I want to challenge you as a man of God coming here this weekend. I want you to challenge, to sense the challenge. Submit to God, but submit to one another in reverence for Christ. Let me challenge you this. You see that man there and that lovely lady? God appointed them as pastors in this house. That's who they are. If they come to you and they share the word of the Lord with you personally, Receive it as from God. Never react. Never react wrong. Just receive. Because Pastor Dave and Sally, they're accountable in a greater way than you are. I know this man. He's a beautiful spirit, full of the grace of Jesus. He will lead you wisely, and he will lead you well. One day, your innings will finish here, Pastor Dave. And God knows everything that needs to be done. But right now, you are positioned where God has put you. And I am coming alongside you, and I'm coming as a brother in Jesus. 
And I know your spirit. You want to finish well. And you will. Hallelujah. You'll finish well. And you will know what to do. And right now in this body, I'm standing saying, let nothing bring any destruction. If he asks you not to do something, submit to him. You say, Pastor, do you have the right to say this? Listen, I'm coming in all the grace and the love of Jesus. I perhaps don't have the right from an earthly point of view, but I come from a heavenly point of view under an apostolic anointing. And I challenge you as a church to submit to God and submit to the apostolic leaders that God has placed in this body. As you move together in real partnership, you will grow beyond anything you ever thought was possible. You see, when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity, there God commands the blessing. What that means is when there's disunity, then there's no blessing. But the fullness of God will come upon this house as you flow together and as you work together and as you serve together. You are carrying something special. You are carrying something precious and unique, protected. Do not let any little foxes come in and destroy the vine. You say, Pastor, what are those? Well, usually it's your attitude or a strong opinion or a view. Listen, my friend, this letter concludes with an amazing challenge from the Apostle Paul. May the grace of Jesus be in your spirit. Lord, I ask that you will keep that in me, and I pray that you will keep that among your people here. Protect this fellowship. And Lord, I pray that the greatest years of this family will be experienced very soon in Jesus' name. Partner with God. Partner with one another. And you'll see it come to pass in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk. Thank you.